Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us. <laughs> and we're going to have all kinds of you know absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests. And we're just going to go to places you always wanted to go. But, you know, you can tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling. You couldn't say fuck. I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom. I am an intuitive business coach. I'm a business psychic and a channel. And I am so much about people just like making money from their magic. Really? Like. <laughs> and I am James Lester. I am an open homosexual. I'm a speaker, a writer. I am a member of the recovery community and I am a queer activist. We would love it if you would just give us your your feedback after the episode. Give us a follow. Give us a give us a review. Let us know what you think because we would love to get all of our. Hello, you always we have we kind of laugh and crack up at the end there all the time, and I think people are just getting used to us starting our episodes like that. I just find new sources of joy every time it plays. And, t- and today it was your follow, your follow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all my like theater majors and degrees showing up in, in our Money introduction. Well yeah, Money I know. Well it's like spent. a monologue. So today we are going to have fun. And I feel like um, I always think about our guests sometimes that join backstage and they hear of all of our banter that they're probably like, what the fuck did I sign up for? Like, what is this podcast? And so that's at least the enjoyment that I make up, you know, get a little bit of delight around that. Um, But I know you're super excited about this topic. What are you excited about? Well, what I'm excited about is this is kind of like what we have always desired and wanted to create for the round table is different points of view and no one telling each other they're wrong and finding the joy and the love and the exchange of knowledge in this. And that's, that gets me hyped up, you know, like that's my only problem with organized religion is when they tell other people like, no, and you repent for this and you can't do that. And that is wrong. You know, I, I love, exchanging ideas and i'm really excited that you found these two amazing guests that we can exchange ideas with and you know probably still be a little naughty with (laughs) (laughs) hi ashley if you're here and you're watching let us know let us know what you're excited about and what you're curious about as well i i do feel like though that everything occurs along a spectrum or continuum and so that each individual probably have their very own different relationship or perspective on so many different things in any given religion and so I think that the people that came here today I'm I'm excited about because they're very they're both very based in love and when I heard them yeah Christopher Robin totally went on your music site if you want to bring in a song we're totally fucking here for it today uh, promote whatever you have going on. <laughs> but I I saw how much they were talking about really this like foundation of love or this energy or this frequency of love. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's probably going to be um, one of the things that really comes out in different ways. I'm curious to see if there's different um, concepts or maybe even ways that that they might describe their own relationship with each of these religions. Um, I do think at times... Some of the spiritual kind of, I call it more the DIY spiritual journey journeyers like us. I think that sometimes they feel a connection to all religions, just certain parts of them, but they honor everyone as an ascended master and as a teacher. 
And then sometimes there's a little bit of spiritual high topping where we kind of push away from religion and we're just like, oh, that boxes me in or that feels too constrictive for me. And that um, I do think that it's always good to look at where there might be any kind of judgment or stereotyping going around with Christianity or with Buddhism. So I do want to talk a little bit about that. Loving it. Well, my sponsor in the program of recovery, what one of the first things that really attracted me to him is, you know, the recovery program that I, that I participate in, it's, it's a God-based program. It's not religious, mm -hmm. but the, the word God is used left and right. And one of the first things my sponsor said when I, I heard him in a room, he said, you know, we're all going to come to the, the table with a different viewpoint of God and everyone's right. And that's kind of like my personal viewpoint, as long as it's based in love and really mm -hmm. generating your frequency up and helping other people and loving other people on this earth. You're right. I believe that God's source shows up in many different faces or it's many different masks. If you're a person in India, you're going to relate to, you know, someone that looks, you know, of the same culture versus, you know, our, our Western culture. So I believe God source wears many different masks to preach the same message of love and prosperity. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it really just kind of grinds my gears when you know, <laughs> people use that love for, you know, you know, chicanery for their own personal gain or political gain. That's where I'm like, that's where I get turned off by religion. That's where I'm like, Oh no, none of that. You know? So does that make sense? Yeah. And even though when I talk to my Christian friends, like I think that most of them would say the same thing as well, that they're just like, yeah, there's some shadiness in the church and people cheating on spouses <laughs> and then kind of being one thing and saying another or doing another. And so I feel like most of the um, Christian friends that I have, like probably would say the same thing that it's not necessarily about that stuff for them. Um, I always said that if I ever felt like a resonance to choose any one religion, that Buddhism was the one that I felt most connected to. Is that what it would be for you as well? I, I, I feel like the way you talk about it, it would be. I don't even... I mean, I, I think Christopher Robin will clarify that. I don't even know if using religion is the appropriate term for Buddhism because uh, mm -hmm. it is atheist adjacent. But it oh, wasn't. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. It, mm -hmm. But I was watching, you know, trying to get, you know, besides, you know, Facebook stalking and going on people's like Christopher Robin's YouTubes and stalking him as we do before <laughs> we get done, I was looking it up. And one of the things that really resonates with me if, with Buddhism is there's the absence of this absence of the sin factor. Buddhism doesn't believe in sin. They believe in getting enlightened as possible on this journey. So eventually you can break the cycle of rebirth. You know, that eventually become mm -hmm. so enlightened and that resonates for me. That the article of sin does not. And I'm not yeah. trying to not trying to judge any religion or anyone's viewpoints, but that doesn't resonate with me. Like, you know, last week oh, when we, yeah. had, we had Susan on and she was talking about, you know, if someone kills themselves or overdoses, like the thought that they're gonna go to hell and burn from that, like that's not what angelic forces are about. They hold and mm -hmm. they feel. And that that resonates with me. So that's where Buddhism falls in alignment with where I'm at in my own journey. Yeah. And then I know that when we started to go to the meditation gardens at Unity mm -hmm. for some of our spiritual field trips that they were, um, I don't know, I would I would guess that maybe they're more Gnostic Christianity. I would if I had to guess like with Unity, but I liked how much they were talking about it more in terms of Christ consciousness. And um, I 
feel like the more that I get to know like Jesus as a man or Yeshua, like I feel like the more that I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm super interested in Yeshua. I'm super interested in all the women of the Bible that we haven't heard about. Like what's going on with them? Where's the the more mystical side of it? Because we know Jesus was this amazing healer and rebel and was literally like healing people and doing these amazing things and really wanting to like, I feel like, show people how much they really hold the energy of God, that they are a part, a spark of God, not separate from. And so it's really um, interesting to me how much I feel like I'm diving into that side of it, but it's not the um, Christianity side of it, but it's really sort of the energy, I think, of the person who inspired all of it. And I know we were talking about that briefly. Well, yeah, Unity Church here in Orange County, California, it, they, have, <laughs> they have a stone at the very front of it that says every pathway to God is the correct pathway or something of, of that regard. And in the center, mm-hmm. they have these glass sketches of all the representations of enlightened ones in the center of their garden. So mm-hmm. their whole thing is honoring anyone's pathway to God. And that's that really like that place just sets me ablaze with joy because I feel that energy there where it's all about acceptance. It's all about bringing these different religions, beliefs together based in love and having that oneness. And that's definitely a topic I was going to talk to you about privately, but like, I do want to dive more into that oneness. I know you've been on that path for a long time now that, that feeling that we are all one, you know, if you Mm -hmm. hurt, I hurt, if I hurt, you hurt. And and let's, let's face it. Christ was a bad ass. I'm going to try not to cuss, but he was badass. Christ was I feel like bad. he'd be fine with it. Like, honestly, okay, that's just my perspective. I mean, okay. could be wrong, but <laughs> Christ was a badass fucker then. All right. Is that what you want? <laughs> yeah. Because I know that it's said with love and a lot of reference. I mean, he was just badass. He, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much told everyone like, screw you, like in your whole kingdom come and making everyone bow down to you, take care of the poor man, take care of the sick. What's your problem? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. love one another, feed one another. Like, you know, so I love that. Jesus was a badass. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Um, I do think that if you are arriving today, if you have questions or curiosities or your own um, maybe experiences that you might want to add your questions in, please put them in the comments because we are going to be pulling in um, two different guests here just to give us different perspectives. I know that um, many of you have seen us talk to one guest at a time. Like I think in episodes past, we might have done like, oh, let's talk to somebody about Buddhism. Let's talk to somebody about Christianity. But we thought it would be fun to just really mix it all up and get <laughs> that's you're crossing the line. Okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to have a round table where all four of us come together and um, kind of bounce topics off of each other or be able to interject. We are here to kind of like, hold the space. So I always like to tell, I don't think that Alicia is backstage yet, but if I cut you off, sometimes our guests are really fucking passionate and they might just be going for it. So I always like to tell people that I might pause or redirect so that we're not having a three hour conversation and we can kind of condense it. Um, but yeah, I think that it'll be just really interesting to see how it unfolds. And I'd love for all of you to just 
comment. Let us know what resonates with you. If you have specific questions for Alicia or for Christopher Robin to just throw them in the mix so that we can make sure that it's an interactive space and it's not just us asking our curiosities. Anything that I feel like the very coach side of me just um, showed up to say that part of it, but I'm in for it. I love when you get all coachy. Mm-hmm. It's my more masculine energy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll fucking taking that conversation <laughs> and letting us know who's boss. I love it. I'm here for it. Um, I do want to introduce um, Christopher Robin f- first, and then I think that Alicia will be hopping on shortly, and we're, we'll pull her in. Um, so I told Christopher Robin, by the way, that I was probably going to say some of these things incorrectly. So we'll have him. I I definitely want to invite him to to say things correctly when he joins us. But uh, we're going to bring in Christopher Robin Donaldson. So he's a youth men's division leader, a member of the Soka Gakai. Am I saying that right? Gakai. Gakai International. Soka Gakai International. Also, um, he, Christopher Robin is, by the way, his name. It's not if you guys are addressing him in the comments, it's not Chris, it's not CR. I mean, maybe, maybe he would, you know, give, let us give him a separate nickname, but Christopher Robin is his full name. So I'm going to pull you in. Hello. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? (laughs) Good. Thank you so much for being here. So can you, well, I'm going to make sure that Alicia is finding her way into StreamYard, but if you can just um, tell us a little bit about you and your background with Buddhism. Sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. You pronounced it perfectly, by the way. It's uh, Soka Gakkai uh, International is the uh, the lay Buddhist organization that I'm a, a young men's division within and a member of. And um, I've been practicing Buddhism for six years. Um, honestly, I think I've been practicing it <laughs> my whole life. And that's kind of one of the things in, uh, in encountering this uh, philosophy of uh, uh, Nichiren Buddhism which is the, the Buddhism that the SGI, Sokagakai International Practices, um, that like when I found this philosophy, I had already gone through so much um, uh, turbulence in my life, you know? And um, so I was really able to recognize the, the practicality of this uh, philosophy and its accessible nature. Um, this is a, you know, a religion based on, uh, oh, to answer your question, uh, James, you know, like religion, uh, spiritual. Uh, so Wayne Shorter, a famous um, jazz musician, um, incredible artist, he commonly referred to it as a, what do you call it? A, a humanistic philosophy that he practices religiously. Wow. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, it was the philosophy that really, uh, uh, that really spoke to me. And uh, I was really grasping for some, anything, I was grasping for a lot of things outside of myself that I could use to make myself happy. And then in encountering this Buddhism, you know, basically the answer is that the happy, happiness is within us and we, you know, we can create uh, happiness from the inside out. It doesn't have to be from the outside in. And that process is called human revolution. Mm-hmm. So by becoming happier people uh, through focusing just on the causes we make in our daily life. So I want to be careful not to ramble. But um, yeah, I encountered this uh, Buddhism six years ago, and I just celebrated my sixth Buddhist birth- birthday yesterday. So well, happy, ah, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Ooh, thank you. 
<laughs> I'm trying to get Alicia, um, make sure that she gets help. I think Solange is going to make sure that she has the connection and she's not having any challenges, but um, I'm sure she'll be here shortly. I am really curious for you. Um, is there anything that you maybe pushed against initially, mm. like when you first came in or that you noticed that a lot of people um, maybe stereotype around Buddhism that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. So there are um, commonly I found, and uh, there there are a lot of, <laughs> I think there's a lot of misconceptions just around the board and everything around the world today. And obviously, of course, Buddhism is no exception. There's a lot of misconceptions around what is Buddhism. Um, a, a lot, a lot of the reasons being that there's a lot of forms of Buddhism. Um, you know, there's uh, I practice Nichiren Buddhism, which is uh, Mahayana Buddhism, and um, you know it's all based around uh, the Lotus Sutra, which was uh, Shakyamuni Buddha's uh, the human being, right? Um, the human being. Buddha, that who we refer to as the Buddha, who is depicted in many statues, or you know, as a skinny Buddha, Buddha, or a fat Buddha, or a meditating Buddha, you know. But um, you know, he taught many teachings to different people, given like where they were, and then um, you know. But there was a core teaching that pervaded all of those different teachings, and the essence of that teaching he revealed in the Lotus Sutra. So um, the name of the Lotus Sutra is uh, Myoho Renge Kyo. And then uh, Nam, N-A-M, means devotion to or fusion with. So actually in 13th century Japan, when all the Buddhist teachings went into disarray, um, you know, uh, Nichiren Daishonen was this, this monk and he studied all of the Buddhist teachings. And he realized that um, along with other really great teachers throughout history, realized the superiority of the Lotus Sutra in regard to the earlier teachings of the Buddha, but that the Lotus Sutra uh, itself had the heart of the Buddha's lifetimes of teachings, which, uh, which was basically that everyone has the capacity uh, or the potential to manifest courage, wisdom, and compassion. And so, you know, my biggest misconception when approaching Buddhism was that, um, you know, kind of like I think you addressed it, James, is like... Uh, this concept of sin and like there's, there's one right way, there's one wrong way. And Buddhism doesn't teach that there's one right way or one wrong way, but it does teach the strictness of cause and effect. And um, that's really at the center of Buddhism is for every cause we make, there's an effect produced. And so, but rather than being guilt based, um, it's about focusing on just, well, what causes do I really want to make? And how can I start to make those causes on it from this moment forth? So really, I, th I thought like in order to practice this Buddhism, I'd have to like uh, kind of like counter counteract every single bad thing I've ever done in my life. And um, actually what I learned is that through my Buddhist practice, everything I've ever done can be transformed into uh, a source of value. And so mm -hmm. rather than just like, oh, this is something that I did, it doesn't affect me now. It's like, well, no, that's something I did, but how can I create value out of it? How can I use this as a source to encourage other people who are struggling with the same thing? Um, yeah. I, I love everything you just said. I will never be able to pronounce half of the words you just said, but, I, <laughs> but it's very, you know, me coming from the recovery world, everything you said is mm -hmm. very much in alignment with that. 
that, you know, your past is not something that you wish to shut the door on. Your past is now your greatest asset, you know, that these mistakes you made, these harms you've done, you can now use them to teach other people how to overcome them or not make them themselves. So I I love all of that. Can you talk to me a little bit about the chanting practice? Because the specific, the, I'm not even going to try to say it, but the, the, it's that same phrase that you chant over and over again. Um, I, I feel like there's a certain energy that's created by doing that. Would you, would you enlighten us about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the chant is uh, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And I, I should have a card here, but uh, I don't. So my apologies. But uh, it's N-A-M, Nam and then Myoho Renge Kyo. And there's no rules, like you can chant it once a day, uh, or you can chant it a thousand or 3000 times a day. Um, The point is that you do it on a daily basis. And um, typically you do it in the morning and you do it in the evening. And, um, you know, as I said, actually, Nam is Sanskrit, and it it means to dedicate one's life to, devotion to, or fusion with. And then Myoho Renge Kyo is the title of the Lotus Sutra. So what Nichiren Daishonin, who is the 13th century monk who, um, whose Buddhism we practice in the SGI, um, you know, he was trying to get to the heart of Shakyamuni, the human being's teachings. And in the Lotus Sutra, that is, that is the heart of the Buddhist teachings. That's where he reveals that not just himself, but every single person without exception has the capacity to manifest their courage, wisdom, and compassion, which we would call attaining Buddhahood, is attaining a life state or a state of life where every day you are fueled with a sense of purpose and joy, and you're encouraging others to manifest their courage and their wisdom and their compassion. So it's really a deepening every single day of conviction, not only in my potential, but also the potential of you and everyone else And even if there are people in our environment who really give us grief, you know, that those people still have that potential within them. It may not be activated, but if I interact with this person with the conviction that they do have Buddha nature, that's going to completely alter the way I interact with that person versus I'm like, oh, this person, you know, is a waste of my time. That's really devaluing my own life as well because of the interconnectedness of our lives. But um, yeah, Myoho, uh, M-Y-O-H-O, Myoho, means uh, mystic law or wonderful law. So um, Myoho Renge Kyo, Renge means um, cause and effect, or uh, actually means lotus flower, but uh, it's symbolized, uh, the lotus flower symbolizes cause and effect uh, because the lotus flower is one of the only flowers that simultaneously seeds um, at the same time that it flowers. So it, um, it's basically a metaphor for the, or a symbol for the simultaneity of cause and effect. In Buddhism, we talk about when you make the cause, you create the effect. So this Buddhist practice is about focusing on creating, making the cause in our daily life. And just by focusing on creating causes every day, you know, you're creating that effect. Um, also, the lotus flower grows in murky, muddy water, but it actually purifies the water around it it like takes in the toxins and murk and mud from the water around it and uses it for its own growth, which is a symbol for our own lives as human beings with all this, you know, um, murky, muddy environment and things around us is that through 
using it and towards our own growth, not only do we grow, but we actually purify our environment. And then uh, kyo uh, means sutra, literally, or teaching. It also can mean vibration, uh, the use of one's energy or voice. So there's so many meaning, meanings um, for each word. But the title of the Lotus Sutra is Myoho Renge Kyo, which means the mystic law or the wonderful law of the Lotus Sutra. And that law is that everyone without exception has access to their compassion, courage, and wisdom in this lifetime and every lifetime. And so the daily chanting of Nam Myoho Renge Kyo is a way to activate our voice and really attune our mind and our body kind of fusing that spiritual aspect with the materialistic uh, aspect. And uh, it's a way to deepen our conviction in ourselves and others every day. Thank, thank you for that breakdown. I've never heard that broken down like that before. Can I ask you, Christopher Robin, you, you just celebrated your sixth birthday. Can I ask you kind of about your journey until you really found Buddhism, which you related to? Did you ever explore any other religious, you know, aspects, any, anything else to really find that spiritual effect that you now have found in Buddhism? Absolutely. So I was always seeking something, you know, actually I was raised by a atheist uh, mother. And uh, my dad moved away when I was young. So, you know, it was just my uh, mother and I for a few years. And um, I was also raised vegetarian, which in the early 1990s was not as uh, celebrated. Not that it's completely celebrated today, but, um, you know, there's definitely more uh, options, I would say, at the grocery store, uh, especially um, now for anyone being vegan. But growing up, um, I was raised vegetarian and I was constantly persecuted in elementary school and middle school. And this was everywhere I lived, Portland, Oregon, uh, Dallas, Texas, Denver, Colorado. Across the board, uh, people didn't really understand vegetarianism. Um, and, you know, I was just a kid. And so I would have to kind of, uh, I'd have to defend myself against arguments from eight-year-olds being like, where do you get your protein? And, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm like eight, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, my mom just believes we don't need to kill animals to, to live. So, so we don't do it. I'm like, whoa, you don't eat meat. What are you gay? And, you know, that was really, that was, it was so interesting for me as being raised vegetarian. That was my, and having to defend myself against attacks, like people would say like, oh, what are, you know, and they would use all sort of profanity, you know, I I want to try to not use those words, but I was oh, you like, can. Oh, oh okay. you don't want to. You don't have to, but it is welcome here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Oh, what are you? Uh, what are you? A faggot? What are you? You know, all of the. I mean, even way was just so many derogatory names, and it was all because I just wasn't eating meat. And but it really made me understand. Like I'm like, you know, <laughs> it really made me want to seek for like, how can I live my life in a way that protects myself, but also like. I was so turned off from people who ate meat, not because like just eating meat makes you bad, but like their behavior towards me made me have a uh, prejudice against meat eaters. And so I was kind of seeking a philosophy that allowed me to break through my negative conception of people who ate meat. And um, that was, um, you know, I tried to find in Christianity, um, I went to like uh, friends of mine's uh, youth group. I remember one day there was this uh, cute girl and I wanted to go to her youth group so I could be closer to her, of course. And um, I remember going to the youth group and, uh, and just like asking the youth pastor there. I'm like, well, so where, where does uh, God come from? 
And I re- really remember, and sh- I'm sure there was a there are beautiful answers to that question. She, the person I spoke to, isn't the only voice of that. But I just remember her kind of tilting her head and being like, you know, just don't worry about that. <laughs> and I just remember feeling so put off. I'm like, well, but I want to like, how can we explore these? You know, I really want to get into the philosophy of this, and you're telling me not to explore. Um, and I, you know, I dabbled in, um, you know, actually my very first friend in sixth grade was, uh, my best friend was Muslim. And so like, actually before I went to church, I went to mosque, um, about five times, um, in sixth grade. And that was like the first kind of religion that I really saw up close, um, prior to that youth group experience. But, uh, yeah. And then, you know, but it was basically atheist my whole life. Um, although just wanted to uh, become happy and I wanted to learn how I could respect people who were different than me. And, um, yeah. So I I love that story, man. (laughs) Um, so you said that you, you know, you know, kind of put your foot in Christianity kind of in Muslim was, what was the deciding factor? What really drew you in when you started to explore Buddhism? What was like the aha moment? So anyone who's listening now, if you haven't already listened to uh, Spiritual Rebels and Misfits episode on addiction, because I listen to that and it's awesome. Shameless plug. They're not paying me to plug it. I'm doing this of my own accord. It's it's really good. And I um, struggled with my own addictions. Um, And, um, you know, before I found Buddhism, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 31 now, but actually a week before I was 20 years old, I actually attempted suicide. You know, I was like, I've been hopeless. You know, I felt what that was like. I, and I had no daily practice. I really I just had no hope. And, um, Ash. hi, Fran. Hi. hi, sorry. We just added in Alicia, but finish your story, Christopher oh, Robbins. Sorry to okay. cut you off. No, not at all. Absolutely. My point being, though, that I had, I had, like I said, I had traversed so much ground before I found Buddhism, but I was really seeking a practice that enabled me to um, re- not just rediscover hope, but create mm-hmm. hope when there is none around me. How can I actually be a person who creates hope? And so... Um, yeah, that's kind of what drew me into um, a friend of my dad's invited him to a, an SGI uh, Buddhist meeting January 1st, 2015. And, um, and I went with my dad. And um, yeah, the last six years is there's a lot more I could go into. But yeah, it's been it's been a really wonderful experience of d- doing my human revolution and becoming someone who could um, not just feel hope myself, but you know what you were saying so well in that addiction episode is just how can I use everything that I've gone through to encourage others who are going through it? So it becomes, you know, the Buddhist terminology is transforming poison into medicine. How can I turn the seemingly negative thing into fuel to create happiness for myself and for others? So, yeah. You definitely wanted, radiate that, my friends. Sorry, go ahead, Ash. Oh, I wanted to welcome in Alicia. Sorry that you had trouble getting in, but I'm happy to see um, you here. Totally my fault, if you will. Um, it's been a long week, and uh, I actually had this planned a while ago, but I was so excited about getting to be part of this. I'm in Key West, so I am trying to connect with you guys in the middle of Duval Street. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Of the conversation that is happening and where I am. But uh, 
I did not oh. want to not be here because I wanted to hear and learn so much from you guys. So thank you for including me, Ashley. And I'm so excited to meet you guys. Thank you. So I wanted to catch you guys up on how I met Alicia because I feel like um, I met you from like doing a reading for you, which we talked about on your podcast. And then when I was on your podcast and I was getting into all my like, you know, channeling and all my cards and things like that, I didn't know that you were like that you were Christian. And I think I always tend to see things sometimes like, you know, of like, oh, you know, someone that's Christian might not be into this other stuff. And I feel like I'm, my eyes are being opened more and more that there's so many more kind of blurred lines with things. And so, um, for you, I know you've been exploring like a lot of different things with Reiki and you said that you're more of a a liberal Christian is how you described it. So how would you describe, how would you describe yourself? Um, again, I'm so sorry guys that I'm in like the most unpredictable territory ever not just i love it i love the drama and the mystery of it when it's dark it's amazing yeah like yeah (laughs) sometimes because of that resistance it means this conversation is important and it's like trying to be prevented which is even more important that it needs to happen right Um, yes i grew up in the bible belt i am birmingham alabama born and raised Um, But I grew up in a family where there was a lot of trauma, a lot of addiction. And uh, right now I'm currently writing my first book based on that experience. And so for me and for many people in the South, um, the religion that we experience is so much more of just an everyday acceptance than it is what we actually practice. It is more of a social implementation and expectation than um, it is what we really believe, if that makes sense, because you have so many friends and so like every block, there's a church, there's churches, there are more churches than there are, uh, grocery stores. Okay. And so, um, you have this, this, you know, really vivid opportunity to be part of these different churches. But really the point is, is that you're supposed to be, there's an expectation. And what that really comes down to is you never really knowing why other than you're supposed to. So for me, growing up in a home that didn't actually experience or practice any actual religion, um, I, I, as an English and art major, was fortunately enough curious and creative enough to ask the questions. And I went to liberal arts school in Alabama, but enough that my professors were so insightful and gave me the tools to question, like, why do you believe this? What is the creation story? Like, what what other cultures share these same ideas and creation stories? And um, at the core, like, who are you? What is it that you believe? So I think, Ashley, to be honest, and guys, to be honest with you, I was very fortunate not to have had that very strong upbringing in the church because it gave me an opportunity to question it a lot more honestly and sincerely. Mm, I love that. And for you, we were talking a little bit about how we see like Jesus, the man and his teachings. Like I'm, I'm curious to kind of look at how you see Jesus, the man and like maybe how Christopher Robin sees Buddha and just see if there might be any similarities here. I'm sure there are. And that's in my theory class. It was a challenge. Uh, and I, looking back, I loved Dr. Eric Smith. He was one of my favorite professors, but his whole purpose of this class, I'm certain was for those of us in the Bible belt to make us question, like, what do you believe and why? Because the whole class is based around here, are all the creation stories 
And these different cultures all across the world believe the same thing. So do you still believe this? And for me, it was like, wait, that's even more, that's even more impactful that without there being any kind of like real, you know, direction or all over the world without Wi-Fi and these people all, you know, <laughs> these similarities, yes. like before before we could all just hang out with each other on these really cool like chats and there are these many similarities to me that was more proof than anything that we are all connected in ways that we're unaware of and maybe that we don't even want to admit sometimes because we want to be so sure in our own footings and religion when really what it comes down to is believing in that like truth and believing that loving people and loving that source is so important. And so I, I figured out I'm married into a family who has a very strong faith and I'm very thankful for that because I've learned so much from a factual standpoint. Um, and my husband though is very open and uh, pliable when it comes to, we have such a growth mentality together, uh, just mm. a really flexible mindset of always trying to learn more about different religions and life in general. And for me, it was like, okay, so I, I screw up a lot. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I'm like, I'm three kids deep, 17 years in marriage. And I'm just like, I'm messy and honest. And, and Ashley knows, listen to my podcast. It's called imperfectly polished. The whole idea is show up as your honest self. And it doesn't matter the broken or the beautiful, like that's all you. And so I realized through this process of growing through these questions that I want to love God and I want to love people. And for you, God may be a different word, but ultimately it is the same meaning and definitely loving people. We can all agree on, right? Like being able to be that person to bring truth and love and um, bring a sense of comfort on this side of the world, whatever that looks like for you. And that's my main goal is I screw up at everything else day after day. So I'm just trying to love God and love people. I love it so much. Christopher Robin, do you want to talk a little bit about um, if there's like a core way that you see um, maybe Buddha as a, I always feel like Buddha is like laughing and he's happy and he kind of takes yeah. things like not too seriously. Mm. Um, and we're a little bit inspired by that here in this podcast. How do you see Buddha? Yeah. So um, it's a great question. And and thank you, uh, Alicia. Is it Alicia or Alicia? Alicia? It is Alicia, right? Okay. I respond to anything with an A that is nice, but uh, <laughs> I kind of like Alicia. Since Alicia, a cool bird tattoo on my arm, which is part of the 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 actual book I'm writing, and my tattoo artist's name is Alicia, and so our <laughs> name is more like how Alicia should be pronounced. And mine looks more like how Alicia should be pronounced. But guys, you'll never offend me. Anything with an A is just very thoughtful. But it is a You want to give us a little insight on your, your vision of Buddha or how you've come to know Buddha? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, same thing. I think coming to Buddhism uh, six years ago, um, I, I, I had this mental image of like a, a kind of the, again, the chubby Buddha smiling and like, yeah, you know, um, uh, and, um, actually, you know, I like learning more about the history of what Shakyamuni Buddha went through on his quest to find answers regarding the four fundamental sufferings of birth, aging, sickness, and death. Um, and like just learning about the travels he underwent 
And like he would walk miles and miles and miles every single day, you know, after the point of which he attained enlightenment. Um, and, um, you know, that again, for practical purposes, that enlightenment that he became enlightened to was that everyone has this capacity uh, to reveal compassion, courage, and wisdom within them, regardless of who they are. And, um, you know, so I picture, I mean, really, there's this, there is this pre-practicing Buddhism picture of a Buddha, which was like this just happy, nothing bothers him. But honestly, I've learned that there, there's no such thing as a self-centered Buddha. And a person like a Buddha, which we are all Buddhas, you know, you know, from the Buddhist perspective is we all have Buddha nature. We are all originally Buddhas. Um, we have that within us. So, but like a Buddha is not someone divorced from suffering or like, you know, I kind of picture this image of someone going to a cave meditating and then like nothing else bothers me because here I am in this cave meditating away from other people's suffering. Actually like, no. So I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop some technical Buddhism here. So uh, the term terminology is called, um, get ready. It's called the mutual possession of the 10 worlds. And so in Buddhism, there's this concept of the 10 worlds and um, the lowest being hell and um, the highest being uh, Buddhahood. And so uh, the lower six worlds are hell through heaven. And so like the four noble worlds would be uh, learning, realization, uh, bodhisattva practice, and then uh, Buddhahood. And so prior to the Lotus Sutra, which we talked about a bit ago, it was taught that like if you were born in the world of a human being, you can never become a Buddha. And like there were so many misconceptions around that time that people are like, oh, if you're born a woman, sorry, you can't attain enlightenment. But if you practice austere practices for lifetimes and lifetimes, maybe hopefully eventually you'll be fortunate enough to be born a man and then you can attain enlightenment. So mm -hmm. Shakyamuni Buddha was like, nah. That's that's <laughs> not the way it is at all. Everyone can. I think Ashley and I are both applauding silently. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there and, should be no distinguishment upon who gets that enlightenment, right? Right. That's you know, and and you know, um, Jesus Christ said the same thing. You know, that he was a bodhisattva Buddha as well. You know, it's like the whole point is like that we all have this Buddha nature, regardless. No one can take that Buddha nature away from you, except you yourself might make mm -hmm. causes that put it into disarray. So, like a Buddha now, I see it is literally Ashley, James, Alicia. This is what a Buddha looks like. You know, it's a person in daily life alive today, struggling amidst the realities of daily life to mm. attain happiness for ourselves and for others. So you guys are what Buddhas li are, look like. And for anyone listening to this podcast after the fact or watching live now, you are what a Buddha looks like fundamentally. It's not this image separate. It's not something you become. It's something you already are and you reveal. So, yeah. So I, I don't want to like be the over talker and I know Ashley knows this because I, I was diagnosed recently with ADHD and it's made <laughs> sense because I am the one who's always like, Oh wait, let me add this in. <laughs> we love it. I'm the calm retriever, the golden retriever who tries to wait her turn. Um, because I love what you're saying, Christopher and love learning from you. And I've always loved learning, but I'm always afraid I'll forget what I want to say. Right. And <laughs> hearing that though, 
it is so reassuring and just another affirmation that we are all on that path. Those of us who practice uh, our faith seriously and care about what was actually taught, not the rules, not the societal expectations of the time dependent on when different things were implemented, which I may, like, honestly, this is something I'm not aware of because being in the Bible Belt and the things that I learned, like, I am aware of so many different religions, but, you know, those expectations that probably you guys are aware of when it comes to Christianity, like the false expectations, right? I would Mm -hmm. love to know more about that from Buddhism and other, other religions, like, what are those things you guys have experienced that are more of a Pharisee type mindset that this is not necessary to follow this person, to follow this way of life, but there are people who make it more about X, Y, Z than what is actually supposed to be. Yeah. Do 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 one of the James or Ashley? Did you want to respond? I think we're all like trying to respect each other's space. We're not saying no. I feel like that's like a Christopher Robin. I was like, I don't know how to answer that, but it's a good question. I'm yeah. Well, it is a wonderful question. Thank you, Alicia. And honestly, I mean, so from the Buddhist perspective, the whole point is we are constantly creating the future. You know, and so societal expectations are no. I think we can agree on this call that. You know, what we really want is mutual happiness. And Buddhism teaches that true happiness cannot be built on the misfortune of others. And so, you know, from a practical standpoint, you know, um, Nichiren Daishonin, who was the first person to chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, you know, even he, he said, you know, never follow, never follow the priest, uh, a priesthood you know, if they go against the Buddha's teachings, you know, I mean, it's like the gold, the Buddha's golden words they're referred to. But you know what those words are in Buddhism, there's three types of we call proof, there's three types of proof. So there's the uh, historical proof, which does this teaching accord with what the Buddha actually said and did, you know, in as his behavior as a human being, does it accord with his behavior as a human being and the le- and what he was teaching to his disciples? So that's historical proof. And then there's theoretical proof. When we talk about this, does it make sense? Like, does it make sense that when I'm helping you, I'm also helping myself? And when I'm growing, I am transforming my environment as well. It makes sense. But uh, even according to Nietzsche and Daishonin, the most important proof is the third kind, which is actual proof. So the most important proof is the proof you create in your life through practicing the philosophy you're talking about. So how can you show actual proof in your daily life that you're becoming happier rather than hoping when I die, I go somewhere else? How can we create a society where living beings are happier and we uh, live in mutual trust and growth, you know, and, um, and cohabitate a peaceful world. So that's the ultimate objective and anything that gets in the way of that, we would call a devilish function. So devilish functions that get in the way like ego or the um, desire to dominate, you know, that is a tendency that exists in the lives of human beings, but we can overcome it through you know, through the causes that we make and what we call doing our human revolution. Mm. 
that's a big difference in between my grandparents and great grandparents Christianity compared to my generation who are diving into it in a very open and uh, mindful way that's according to our society today and how those things have changed. You know, there's this, a lot of people Mm -hmm. say Bible, you have to believe the whole Bible. And I think that's true, but I also think you have to be wise about when these things were written and the things that were written into society based on what was happening at that time compared to Mm -hmm. things from women's rights to the rights of those of, uh, you know, with same-sex marriage and those who are, you know, there's so many things that are so different, right, compared to when some of this text was written, like the principles that were there are so important, but the things that are legalistic that a lot of people who are in the Christian faith, especially in our region, take to heart and consider that the prime like material of their faith. It's not faith. It's just laws and rules. And it's like, mm-hmm. that is not, that is not faith. Right. So yeah. it, it makes so much sense to me to look at that too, as I'm not waiting to get to heaven to have a life of beauty. I'm having that life of beauty and I'm trying to share that now. That is my purpose on the side of eternity. And if I can make one person have less pain as their journey continues, if I can become more in tune with what my gifts are and the purpose I have to make someone else's life better and make more sense on the side of eternity, that is the purpose for me. Not waiting for things to get good when things are over. And I definitely still see that though, especially in the Bible Belt. That's a a very much, and if you think that you're not wrong from a Christian standpoint, there are so many people who are just like, well, praise God, let's just wait until we get to be with Jesus and things aren't so bad. Like, you know, (laughs) no, they're so beautiful. Now you're missing the point. Like you're only Mm -hmm. getting a small part of the story, you know? How do you feel, Alicia, about like women not having leadership uh, roles like within the church? Because I think I've been sort of very curious more about the Gnostic Christianity where it's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff that was taken out. It was kind of edited. It was kind of distilled down to serve the agenda of the men that were in power at that time and that there was probably a lot more magic and mysticism and empowerment and women um, in the rest of it. How does, I'm curious how that lines up for you. Well, personally, I don't feel any, I don't feel like I'm held back at all within my church to have leadership or to serve my purpose. I have a very distinct purpose and gifts that are meant to be brought forward just as my husband does. And it's not different because he's a man or I'm a woman, but like we know what we've been called to to bring forth in the world and to make better. And it's more so because of who we were created as, not because of our genitalia or how we identify, you know, like that's absurd. Like it's because of the gifts that we were born with and that we have crafted and spent time making better. Um, and I know that it's different though in a lot of more conservative Christianity, you know, like different churches. Like I'm not saying everyone has that ability and that would be hard for me because owning my own business for the last 12 years and being a mom of three, one of those being a girl, it's very important to me to show up as a strong leader in all parts of my life and not to overshadow or undershadow, but to show up as an equal. And my husband and I are very much like that. You know, we're on the equal playing field. We're not, either one of us is not on a platform. We're, we, and as if we look at the scripture and, and this is one thing I told you, Ashley, and I'll tell you guys. Um, Patrick grew up in church, like in a great Southern Baptist, you know, he honestly should probably be the one if you guys want like a really good traditional Christian, like assessment, 
he's the one who could give that to you, like Sunday school assessment, because his parents were Sunday school <laughs> knows the scripture, right? I grew up in a very different home and we started dating when I was 16. And I learned so much from him and his family, even growing up in the Bible Belt and the things that I knew, I learned what those meant and saw them in practice with his family, which was really beautiful. But looking at that, even it was kind of like, okay, um, so we know there are different roles that, you know, as people, we have different gifts and there are different things that we can implement and that we can better. And the two of us saw that growing up in a way that was like, okay, the way that people interpret the scripture and the way that they look at that. I mean, if you look at the stories of Mary and Martha and Ruth, and these revolutionary, um, amazing women in the Bible, they are epic. Like they are epic. And it's not talked about enough in mainstream, but if you really study them and look at what they did and how they moved the story forward, it is beautiful. And yeah, I'm absolutely sure the reason that they were not considered so impactful and meaningful is because they were women at the time. That was a societal role. And that's what mm-hmm. I said was part of, what you have to look at is here's where we were from a biblical standpoint of here's what was meant to be learned and here's what was meant to be implemented. And so many things that were from the mouth of men were more so here's what you should do because it's what's expected from a societal role, right? And so we're not there anymore. We're not there, guys. And it's our generation and the generations to come that have to be able to like embrace that and know more about it and move forward because it is not, it is not okay in any way, no matter what it is, to say you're under this platform, you're over this platform, we're all at the same level. Mm, I love that. So I know that we promised our guests to let them uh, move on with the rest of their Friday evenings by a certain time. So I don't want to keep them, you know, hostage here with us. But is there any (laughs) final things that you have to say just so we can honor their time? Because I feel like we could go on forever. Yeah, I feel like th- this was a great intro, and I'm ready to do the whole thing now. Um, like, yeah, I feel like this is this is a great podcast. Thank you so much for for inviting me on today, and um, I'm excited to keep listening. Um, I guess in closing, if I can share a couple final thoughts real fast. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think you know, I really want to appreciate everything you shared, Alicia, as well, and you know, just to clarify for um, for people um, on the Buddhist perspective. Um, and again, I am a, I'm not a priest, I'm an ordinary human being. And, um, you know, the, the Soka Gakkai, uh, is a worldwide religion. It exists in, uh, it's an organized religion. It's actually the biggest Buddhist organization in the world. Um, and there's no priesthood, there's no clergy. Um, it, it everyone practices as, um, equals. There are women's leaders, there are men's leaders, um, and our scripture are really the writings of Nietzsche and Daishonin, the historical writings that he wrote to his followers, uh, remonstrations with the government, um, writings of him, you know, basically rebuking the the erroneous doctrines of the time where, you know, so many priesthoods of Buddhist schools at the time were just completely corrupt. And it was all about protecting themselves versus creating mm-hmm. happiness for the citizens of, you know, Japan, you know, in 13th century Japan is where Nietzsche and Daishonin hails. And so our scripture are the writings of Nietzsche and Daishonin. And, uh, you know, what the whole point is that regardless of what religion you practice, 
everyone has a right to develop their potential and everyone has, you know, we call it Buddha nature. Everyone has the capacity to create a life of absolute happiness, not just based on fleeting pleasures, but, uh, but really about creating a healthier environment for future generations. And so much about what you shared, Alicia, is so true about the differing religious schools, like back in 13th century Japan, too, of where it's like, oh, just chant the Amida Buddha's name. And when you die, you'll go to a world that's like thousands of light years that way where everything's happy, which just teaches escapism. And the whole point is that, you know, the whole true point of philosophy is something that we can use in our daily life to create actual proof. And my greatest hope for all the listeners today and the viewers, and thank you for spending your time with us today, um, is that you'll continue um, that you'll continue to create value for yourselves and for others. I want to create world peace, and the only way we can create world peace is through every single person becoming happy without exception. Mm. And so, my my purpose in this lifetime is not to attain a state of life where I can leave the realm of rebirth. But honestly, from the Buddhist perspective, we chose to be alive at this time in this murky, muddy, swampy environment to help Mm -hmm. our friends and our family. It is our mission as human beings to create a happier existence and plan it for future generations. So rather than, and I've had to struggle with this in my own life, rather than feeling like I'm a victim of my environment, how can I attain a state of life where not only am I never going to give up in this lifetime, but where I am determined, you know, whether or not there are future lifetimes. And Buddhism does not say there, there is not a God. Buddhism does not teach there are or there are not gods. Buddhism teaches that you know, if there are gods, then our behavior activates their protective functions. So mm. it is up to us, you know, it is up to our behavior to activate the protective functions of our environment. And um, mm. I just really want to empower everyone to, um, to continue uh, this process of never giving up. Because while it's important to win, it's more important to never give up. And uh, I'm Really appreciate this time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christopher Robin. We're going to drop some links. Um, Solange is dropping them in the comments right now. So if anyone wants to learn more, is there anywhere else? Like, do you want people to follow you on your your music site? Do you like, do you want to promo oh. anything up in here? I mean, <laughs> go for it. Oh, man. Well, um, yeah, I think those links are great. Sokaglobal.org has so many amazing like articles and videos. So inspirational from ordinary human beings around the world uh, practicing this Buddhism in their local countries and like what their daily life looks like. It's awesome. Um, for the United States, sgi-usa.org tons of awesome information. And then personally, you know, my full-time job is a pharmacy technician at a a hospital in downtown Denver, Colorado. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm also an artist, singer, songwriter, actor. Um, I made a movie uh, last year called uh, Portland Rain, and uh, incorporates these aspects of Buddhism, what we call human revolution. And it's free. You can find it on Vimeo. Um, If you just uh, type in Portland Rain, that's a, a 
35-minute free movie, that uh, musical that I made last year, if you're interested. But uh, also, you can email me directly if you have any questions on Buddhism. I'm always happy to talk to anybody and everybody about anything at any time. So, yes, thank you so much. You're amazing, Christopher Robin. Alicia, where can we find you, girl? You got a podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that. And Anything else you want to throw up into the frequency? everywhere that I'm supposed to be, right? So the podcast is imperfectly published. And I think I said earlier, and Ashley has been an amazing guest on that. So please go look up our episode with Ashley um, as we talked more about, you know, energy healing and what that looks like from day to day and uh, really manifesting the powers like, you know, within us connecting to that in a higher level. But the whole point of the podcast is it, guys, you're more than welcome. I have actually male guests on there. Okay. But the whole point <laughs> is for women um, to have a place as an entrepreneur and the many hats that they wear to be able to come in and say, you know what? Yeah, we're broken and beautiful and we're going to show up as a whole self because that's really where the magic happens. And it's the character of those beautiful broken spots that really give us the storyline to connect with people on a deeper level and help healing for not just ourselves, but others. So it's just a safe community of stories and success and brokenness. And I mean, really anything goes. So um, I'm actually, I've been a wedding photographer for 12 years. I'd like to say I'm pretty good. I'm going to say that proudly. (laughs) Yes, she's really good. On it, bitch. I mean that in the most peaceful way. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I'm not saying it to be pretentious or, you know, but it is um, Alicia Crossley Photography. You guys can find me Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. Uh, and I love telling stories of others. And I've loved doing that with my camera. I was an English and art major. Um, but currently this year, what I'm focusing on and what I feel more than led to do and finally at a place of healing that it's time for it is to tell my own story with pen and paper. And so I'm working on a memoir with my writing coach, Mary Morantz. Um, I've spent over a decade telling the stories of others with a camera, and now I'm finally telling my story. And uh, it's really the whole point of it, of course, is you know to help others connect and to bring a level of healing that they are in need of um, mm-hmm. and make people alone and isolated because of the things that have happened in their life from childhood trauma to um, poverty and, uh, you know, acceptance and the imposter syndromes and just so many things that happen to all of us along the way that aren't talked enough about. So um, I would also like to take a, like make a plug for someone who I'm not endorsed by, or I don't get any kickback from, but as a Christian who I adore and her name is Jen Hatmaker. And Ashley, I think I've talked to you some about Jen. Um, Jen is located in Austin and she is an author and speaker and her views have been so inspirational to me as I've grown up. Um, She's so relevant and so in tune with the generation of today and their voice. Um, She has children that are my age and a little younger, but I really encourage you because I am just a mere person as is Jen, but Jen has done so much work on understanding the text and scripture and um, the things that she's gone through. Like, it's not just like she's had a fairy tale life. So uh, as someone who is trying to maybe explore more about Christianity or see, you know, the things that you learn that seem more fictitious or in the Pharisee mindset. If you want to really hear some truth and dig in deeper, look at Jen's teachings. Um, she's been inspirational to me. I just really encourage you guys to look at that. Well, thank you both. You both are amazing. You gave me a lot of brain food, a lot of soul food. I couldn't ask for anything more from both of you. So thank you guys so much.
Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Christopher Robin. Bye, you too. Christopher Robin. I'm sure you guys already said this, right? It's like Pooh Bear. Surely you already said it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about it. Did anyone else not think it? Because I'm just the whole time like, what a sweet little fella. How's Pooh Bear doing? I really wanted to say that, but I didn't want to like interrupt it. Like, really thought you know, we're having. You know, I feel like he kind of owns it. I kind of can we ask you, like, will you talk to us about that real quick? Can we, we have off camera, Ashley. I know, but is it okay to pull you back in? Yeah. Can you? There's inquiring minds here. I think that we want to know. So thank you, Alicia. Yeah. It's so, not even part of this conversation at all. But you, you seem like the perfect. It is now, Alicia. Feel, it is now. I feel like you are totally embodying the essence of Christopher Robbins that I knew as a child. I mean, I see him in you so much that loving, compassionate, just like completely believing in what is unseen. Like it's a beautiful thing. So I mean that lovingly. Well, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I will say, you know, growing up with the name Christopher Robin, uh, being raised vegetarian from a, a, a bisexual atheist mother, um, you know, I encountered my fair share of uh, discrimination for my, in my own ways, you know, um, and I have owned Christopher Robin precisely because I, you know, I learned about the real Christopher Robin, the son of A.A. Milne, whom he wrote those stories of Winnie the Pooh for. And I guess Christopher Robin, the real, you know, the, the son of A.A. Milne, he really, like, honestly, like, turned against, like, what Winnie the Pooh turned into. And, like, he really, you know, it's fitting for this podcast. He rebelled against this image of, like, this peaceful kid because he's like, that's not what my childhood was like. And, you know, honestly, he was filled with, like, a lot of anger. And he refused to go by his name. And so, like, I feel like my mission is to do that human revolution myself so I can own my name. And that's been part of my own journey because Christopher Robin is all my first name. But, you know, I'll tell people, I'm like, hi, I'm Christopher Robin. They're like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Joe Anderson. I'm like, oh, well, I, well, okay, well, Christopher Robin is all my first name. Okay, okay. You know, I'm like, well, actually, you know, you can call me, actually, my, my friends call me Christopher Robin. Okay, Chris. I'm like, no, please call me Christopher Robin. You know, <laughs> it's always been edging that line of like, at what point am I becoming the jerk when I all I want you to do is call me my five syllable first name? <laughs> at, the, at the same time, it's like I get it. We're all busy, so people say CR, and it's not like I'm inwardly thinking, "How dare you?" or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I always appreciate it. You know, Christopher Robin. Any thoughts on the, the was it the Tao of Pooh? Have you read that book? I have read that. It's a lovely book. Yeah, yeah. it's you know uh, you know Taoism Dao, and and Buddhism definitely there's there's some commonalities there, but um, yeah, definitely um, definitely a practicing Buddhist, and uh, I, I, I'm not an expert on Taoism at on, mm. on any means, but uh, yeah. Well, thank. Thank you so much for joining us, Alicia. I wish anyone that's listening to the podcast could see like the drama and effect of you joining us today because there's been like light, there's been darkness, there's been wind. She got into her light though. I feel like you just have been trying to find the resistance that has been against happening. And then like the floodlight in this random house in Key West. I, I wish I, 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 out and my friend was like, she's doing a very important like <laughs> interview right now. We're like, you have to leave. This is very weird. And so now I, random house, Key West and the floodlight. <laughs> 
but you know what? I think, as I said to Ashley, I just wanted so. There we go. Look, look at that. <laughs> you guys, and it's such an important conversation to. And I would love to, and I'm sure you guys would too, you know, to to understand the questions our audience may have and continue this conversation in a bigger way because I learn from it. And the more I learn from it, the better that I am and the better that all of us are able to be in regards to reaching out to others and helping them and helping mm. them worse that they feel the most in line with. So I love this conversation. I'm a huge proponent of it. And especially in the region that I grew up in and that I'm in, I don't get a lot of this. I don't get a lot of this open-ended conversation. So I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Any of our Spotify listeners or Apple, uh, please find the video so you can see the dedication of Alicia to this whole <laughs> conversation. And thank you both so much. You've definitely given me a lot to really ponder and meditate on. And that's what this is all about, you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Alicia. Bye, Thanks, Christopher Pat. Robin. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you. I love. Hello. Hi. Thank you for asking amazing questions. I wanted to make sure that we pulled Alicia in and that I was, so I was a little distracted initially because I mean, I'm just so glad that she made it, but then I was also trying to tune in to, I actually wanted to almost ask Christopher Robin, like, Oh, what's like the Buddhist perspective of when things don't go the way that you're planning them to go. And I would say for me, I'm always about like surrender and just knowing that it's meant to be exactly that way and just to be with it as it unfolds. So, um, that was my inward monologue that well, I, I wanna, wanted to just catch you up on. <laughs> I want to honor you for pulling all that shit together because there was a lot going on. But I think that was a, a very needed starter conversation for mm-hmm. a lot of different religious views starting to respect one another. You know, not like we started it, but like I think there needs to be yeah. more of what I'm saying. So I learned a lot from both of them. I would love to continue to bring other um, religions together in a round table and then maybe return to this conversation in different ways. Or maybe I think what would be really fun is to like, look at like um, maybe one concept and like, I think that would focus it really well. So I think this is a good intro. And then if we looked at the different perspectives on like a singular top topic or focus and we could go you really mean like deep. This? The sheet I sent you in your email that breaks it all down? Well, I mean, you know how I just kind of show up and I just <laughs> go with the flow yeah. of it, no, you no, know? But, but what I'm saying, uh, like, that was jokingly, but, like, I there's the sheet that breaks down. And I'd love if we have people that sh- have other religious views or practices, if they want to contact us. It breaks down, like, thoughts on it goes over clergy, it goes over human nature, it goes over place of worship. Um, goal of religion, marriage. So I think it'd be really interesting to have a few other religious aspects in there and kind of go over those sectors and see where they align, where they differ, and just find the commonality and the respect for one another. But I, I definitely learned a lot about Buddhism. You know, it's something we like to throw around like, oh, I love Buddhism, but how much do we really know about it? So it opens my eyes. I have a lot more to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everybody. Have an amazing weekend. We'll see you next time. Oh, we're talking about next. What are we talking about next time? That's what we usually do at the end, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Evangeline is coming on, and 
she has um, this concept of like new ancestors. And so she really is like, um, I'd say an activist in the space of LGBTQ plus, as well as teaching white people to be um, less of, uh, you know, idiots and things like that is sort of like (laughs) kind of in the anti-racist space and how we can be better ancestors. And so I think that, it's um I mean no literally that's why I invited her because she talks about it in that way she's like yeah I teach white people how to be less uh fuckers pretty much less of a fucker but that's why I invited her because I'm like oh Evangeline is like the perfect person that we want to have at the round table so um I just really liked her and the training that she was like talking about and like that people hire her to um talk about like how do you intervene in conversations or um, build skill sets and conversations when you see family or friends saying something that isn't appropriate, that is actually racist or or a prejudice in some way. It's like, how can we build those skill sets and that um, courage, I guess, in, in people to intervene and know how to say it and to not like put the other person in shame. So we had an initial conversation around um, in like the height right of black lives matter is one of our first episodes and so it's going to be really cool it was our first episode and we will be returning to a topic that's still really important that i think we both really want to keep alive but also have it be okay well what do we do other than just talking about what it is how can we grow and learn and be more equipped to be as Christopher Robin was saying the Lotus flower that is really kind of purifying and bringing that love frequency to our environment. I just had a vision of some people in your family catching that clip of you saying, teaching white people to be less of idiots and the reaction that you may encounter from that. I'm all fucking for it. it (laughs) So it's just, there you are there. There's my girl right there. So I love you very much. I'm excited to see you next week, my love. What is oh next Friday? So I'm not gonna talk to you before then. Uh, this is personal behind the scenes. Matter. Oh, this is behind the scenes stuff with my best friend. I don't know that we want to air this all out now. We'll have to see what he wants to reveal. I know that we, this has been a very long episode, but we'll go ahead and go off live and hit, we'll. I'll let James catch you guys up. You can just go ahead and join the Facebook group. If you guys want to see all the behind the scenes stuff, we'll ask that James just gives all the details of his life and relationship status. There premium photos (laughs) can be found of James of James at the, at the round table, the spiritual rebels and misfits round table on Facebook. So leave it at that. Bye everybody. Bye.